This is the On All Cylinders Podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Your host for today is Summit Racing's Paul Sokolis with special guest Howard Yang, CEO and founder of GTR Simulator. Here we go. Hey there, welcome to another installment of the On All Cylinders Podcast. You got me for your host today, Paul Sokolis. And yeah, we're going to be taking a little bit of a departure from like our normal nitty gritty tech talks to cover a really fascinating subject. Today, we're going to be talking about virtual racing and racing simulators. And I got to admit, when I first heard about this subject, I immediately began picturing like fancy video games because I'm the kind of guy that shoved an alarming amount of quarters into games like Pole Position uh, when I was younger. But these modern racing simulators are way, way, way beyond that. And to help us understand this topic, we've got Howard Yang. Now, in addition to being the CEO and founder of GTR Simulator, a racing simulator company, Howard is also a former racer. And even better, he's got plenty of other pals who are current racers that kind of offer their insight and feedback on the simulators and products they're developing. So without any further ado, Howard, welcome to the show. And uh, do you want to start there? Like, uh, give us a brief introduction on how GTR Simulator came about and uh, what got you into this? Well, I used to be a a Grand M race car driver. And um, back in the days when I race, you know, race cars, there's a lot of training that's required. So I built my first uh, racing simulator rig and see that there's a potential in the market. That's that's how the uh, the brand got started. And actually, we reach out to a lot of amateur and pro racers to get their feedback as far as adjustability, seat position, you know, some of the factors that we put into when designing our rig. So that's, that's the, the mentality we have when we first built the brand. And the brand started, I would say, almost 13, 14 years ago. I'm going to interrupt you just for a second, because I want to go back and emphasize a point here, Howard. Uh, you yourself are a real race car driver, like in a real race car on a real race car course for a real racing series, correct? A former racer. Um, I, I stopped racing uh, about 10 years ago. Yeah, I think that's worth pointing out here because I guess in my mind, if anyone can design a racing simulator, it would be someone who has actual cockpit time in a real race environment. Yes, that is correct. Okay, so uh, let's talk racing simulators now. Um, I kind of alluded to the fact that I'm decidedly old school when it comes to this kind of technology, though I'm pretty sure I have some high scores still left on the outrun machine at our local bowling alley. But can you kind of explain to those out there listening what makes up a racing simulator? What do they need to know before they uh, you know, might dip their toe in the water? First of all, there, there are two key components to the racing simulator. First component will be the steering wheel and the pedal. With the steering wheel and a pedal, obviously, you can start driving. Our steering wheel and pedal is compatible with PC only. There are adapters out there that can convert our wheels and pedal to Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo uh, as well. And the second component would be basically the frame and the seat to allow you to be seated in a in a true race car position with a firm and sturdy steering wheel holder against force feedback so they can really get the immersive experience from the racing simulator. So the, the two key part will be one, um, the electronic part, which is this force feedback steering wheel and pedal, and two would be the actual rig itself. 
And in case folks out there are wondering, uh, GTR Simulator can provide both of those aspects, correct? That is correct. We do manufacture and design our own rig as well as the electronic, the force feedback steering wheel. Okay, so let's say I've officially been bitten by the racing simulator bug and I begin to assemble uh, pieces of this rig in my head. What are some things that uh, I should know about before making a purchase? What are some things that uh, may be overlooked uh, for someone that's still new to this? Well, um, I, I think the very, very first thing you should ask yourself will be, what is your budget? And second is, what are you going to use the rig for? For recreational, just having fun with a couple of friends over playing games? Or are you going to use this to actually train for your next track day or your next uh, racing event? So we do offer different models for different needs from um, a budgeted setup all the way to a full motion rig. Well, then that kind of begs the question uh, in terms of racing simulators. uh, Do you need to go all in at, at the first go? Or can you slowly augment and and build your rig as your interest grows? Yes. Yes, you can. So um, our GTA and GTA Pro model, it's it's sort of like a modular model. You can always upgrade with different accessories and you can upgrade to the motion platform at a later date. So you can start with just the basic GTA model and a month later, if you decided, hey, I wanted to add a monitor stand instead of you know having to put the rig in front of my TV, you can add the monitor stand later. After a while, if you decided, hey, I need more adjustability on my seats or um, the steering angle, you can upgrade to the GTA Pro pieces um, to basically allow more adjustability. And finally, you know, down the line, you decided to move to a motion platform, you can add the motion platform to to the existing rig. So it is modular and it is upgradable. So is that your recommendation to folks that are new at this and just getting into it? You know, start basic and then add other modules and components as your interest uh, increases? Uh, Well, again, I, I think it comes back down to, you know, what the user really need with the simulator. Usually we would suggest go with the GTA Pro model, which is um, basically the fixed version of the racing simulator. So it does not have movement, but it does allow the user with the most adjustability. Our GTA Pro model basically fits anyone from as as little as three feet and all the way up to eight feet. So even a five-year-old can hop onto the GTA Pro model. It has the adjustability So, you know, kids can grow with it. Adults can play with it as well. It allows the most adjustability. And I I believe, I truly believe that it is one of the uh, the best investment if you want to get into the the, the racing simulator. Actually, Howard, you kind of just read my mind because I was going to ask you about uh, recommended ages and and size adjustability for folks of uh, different statures. But since you already brought it up, uh, I'd like to shift the focus of our talk a little bit because so far we've been really framing racing simulators as more of a recreational product or, or an entertainment thing. And you know this better than anyone being a former racer yourself, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but a quality racing simulator is a, a good supplement, a good practice tool for a professional or, or even a semi-pro race driver. Is that correct? Actually, to answer your question, yes and no. Obviously, with a, with a simulator, you can get a feel of you know, where the breaking point is, where the turning point is. But what the simulator cannot give you would be the actual G-force. 
So it, it, it can't give you the acceleration G or the braking G or even the turning G forces. But driving on a simulator can train any professional racer on where the braking point is or where the turning point is and what's the best line in racing on a, on a certain track. So for example, if I have a race next week at a certain track, which I've never been onto, I, I can easily train myself on the braking points and the, the turning points for that track on a simulator. However, the simulator can only do so much as far as, you know, versus on a real car. Obviously, there's tire pressure, tire temperature, traction. Um, there's weather that, that, that builds into effect. Obviously, the, the software does simulate all that, but you can definitely improve in your lap times uh, by knowing the track a little bit better by practicing beforehand on a simulator. So whether they're pro, semi-pro, or regulars at track days, um, do you find that uh, a lot of your customers are serious drivers? I, I would say about 60% of our customer are, are true sim racers. So um, they play iRacing, they play Assetto Corsa um, well before they, they build up their, their own simulator. I mean, they enjoy racing. They might not have the budget to go take their car out on a, on a real track, but they play sim racing almost every other day. And the rest of the 40% were dispersed um, between amateur racing, weekend racer, and some pro racer as well for training. But I would say 60 to 70% um, comes from you know, hardcore gamers or sim racers. So what kind of racing exactly are these simulators designed for? Are we talking like Formula One road courses? Are we talking about rally driving? Are we talking about drag racing? When, when we first designed the rig, um, obviously I'm a, a Grand M driver, so it's more on like street cars. But as I progress into Formula cars, for example, like our GTA model, you can position yourself into like Formula car racing. Um, as far as software title goes, I would say for the most part, uh, people use this for road racing and dirt and maybe rally a little bit less of a drag racing because, I mean, obviously you can't really simulate drag racing because it doesn't have the G-force. You can't feel the tire traction. I, I think that's uh, a lot of that is very, very important when, when it comes to drag racing. No simulator can, can simulate that. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. But uh, these simulators aren't static. Uh, you've alluded to movement and, and something specifically I wanted to point out. You've mentioned something called force feedback. For folks who are new to all of this, um, can you explain what that means? Yes, of course. So, uh, uh, for example, when, when you're driving on a street, just on a highway, cruising down a highway, and there's a little pothole that you ran over, when you ran over that pothole, um, your hand on the steering wheel can actually feel a jerk on the steering wheel, either turning the car to the left a little bit or right to a little bit. And then you have to grab your wheel to make sure your car continues to go forward, right? Um, if you hit gravel, your, your steering wheel will start vibrating. Basically, the, the actual car is giving the driver a feel of the road by giving feedback through the steering wheel from the wheel. And all that reaction is mechanical because you have a steering column connected to the, the, the drive shaft connected to your wheel with the suspension. So whenever the wheel goes up and down or turns left and right, um, your steering wheel can, can feel that because it's mechanical. But when you're on a simulator, everything is 
electrical. So there, there, there's no steering column, there's no suspension that's connected. So what the force feedback steering wheel does is actually simulate what um, a, a real driver feels when driving on these racetrack. When going over apexes, the software knows that, hey, your right wheel is on the apex right now when you're making a right-hand turn. We need to simulate that feel. So the software sends out that signal. Our hardware obviously decodes that signal and gives that force feedback steering wheel, um, that force feedback signal to start vibrating the wheel and start pulling the wheels to the right. So, so that's basically a force feedback versus a non-force feedback. If you're on a non-force feedback wheel, obviously, when you hit a pothole or uh, some dirt, the wheel doesn't react at all. So you don't get that feedback from driving on the track. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that, that's cool. So you're telling me the steering wheel doesn't just vibrate when you hit a bump. It'll actually jerk uh, one direction or the other, kind of like a real world environment. Yes, the wheel will actually pull. Um, so, so instead of having just vibration motor, what our product has is actually it's gear driven by two very powerful motors. So if the car needs to pull to the right, you will actually have to fight against the wheel to make the, the, the steering wheel straight. And the higher the force feedback is, the more realistic it is versus driving a, a race car. Obviously, when, when you're on a real race car, there's all type of different steering. There's you know the traditional non-power steering wheel that's super heavy, and there's the power steering wheel. And a lot of the, the newer cars, the newer Porsches, Mercedes, BMW, they have to drive by wire. And these car manufacturer actually eliminates the need of an actual steering column and everything is now controlled by wire and a motor. So when you're on one of these cars, the steering wheel itself actually has a force feedback uh, motor in it to, to give you that sensation of the, the, the wheel. Because now, nowadays, newer cars are eliminating mechanical stuff. So what I, I guess what I wanted to say is, the newer the car gets, more technology gets involved, the more it feels like you're playing a video game. If you're on a Tesla, I mean, you can start falling asleep and the car drives itself. So what's the need of force feedback anymore, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's both fascinating and alarming as our control of the vehicle becomes increasingly dependent on electronics. Um, do all of your steering wheels incorporate uh, some sort of force feedback feature? Yes, um, our, all of our wheel incorporates the force feedback features and it, it spits out a, a really strong five newton meter um, pound of force. If you translate that, it'll probably be similar to driving a power steering car on a racetrack. Obviously, if you drive a manual steering car, the feel of the steering column is a lot more heavier, but very, very rare that you see a, a car with manual steering nowadays, except for maybe formula cars. Well, we've been talking a lot about the steering wheel, but from what I understand, a good racing sim setup uh, incorporates other peripherals like, um, say, like a gear shift gate and, uh, you know, like an e-brake. Can you talk a bit about that stuff? Yes, yes. So we do offer the complete package from wheels and pedals to the steering wheel to the handbrake and to the H-gated um, shifters, 6 plus 1 or 7 plus 1. Basically, when we build our product, we simulate to as close uh, to a real race car as possible. 
so it sounds like it kind of mimics the the action and the feel of the of the real thing, which makes perfect sense. Um, does that include like a, like I'm picturing the e brake? Can you can you manipulate that like you would in a rally course, like a, a rally brake? Yes. So um, our e brake, instead of using a on and off switch, we actually use magnetic electronics so that it's analog instead of digital, and there's no contact points. Basically, that magnet will tell the system exactly what position that um, handbrake is in. If you're only pulling 20% of the fuel or 30% or 40%. And our handbrake does allow users to change spring force as well. You can actually swap different springs. That uh, That's pretty cool. Um, let's rack the focus out really quickly because it seems like this sort of tech uh, would lend itself well not only to racing simulators, but uh, to things like aircraft and flight simulators too, right? Well, well believe it or not, um, flight simulator is actually one of our um, very big markets as well. We do have different models of uh, flight simulator and we partner with uh, another company called Real Sim Gear. And they offer basically complete flight simulator from instrument cluster to yoke, to the control, to the pedals. And um, our rig is actually FAA approved. So when you're on the rig training, it actually counts as real hours on flight as well. And FAA accepts that. Uh, let's circle back all the way to square one, because we've kind of talked about this topic before, but I think it, it bears repeating. What other aspects of building a racing sim should someone who is relatively new to this um, consider? Are there any other things that are commonly overlooked, you know, nice to knows before you dive in? Well, um, I, I think there, there's a few things that I believe a brand new audience um, who wants to get into racing simulators would be what system that they're, they're planning to run their software on, whether it's PC or Xbox or PlayStation. Obviously, with PlayStation or, or Xbox, it's a little bit more leaning towards the gaming side rather than you know, true racing simulator side. Um, secondly, uh, what they might want to consider is whether they want to play it on a computer monitor or a TV screen, single or triple, or some prefer to wear a VR glass. Me, personally, I don't enjoy driving in a VR glass because after you know, 30 minutes, it gets me dizzy. To answer your question, I think it's the peripheral that they want to, to put into consideration and it comes down to their budget as well. A good set of VR will cost about you know, 300 bucks all the way out to you know, two grand. Uh, as far as TV goes or mo- versus monitor, you know, nowadays TVs are cheap, but the refresh rate is much, much slower and you don't get as much detail of the track as you can on a, on a computer monitor. Again, the same 40-inch TV versus the, a 40-inch monitor, there's a huge price difference between you know, 200 bucks and $2,000. All right. So right now, we've been talking for close to 20 minutes on, on racing simulators and specifically GTR simulator. I'm going to swing the mic around to you now. Is there anything you'd like to tell us uh, about racing simulators in general or uh, GTR simulator specifically? Well, the, the newest product that, that we just recently released will be our RS30 wheel which is a a force feedback wheel with two pedal or three pedal racing pedals. Our pedal is made fully from steel. Our product is built to last. Actually, we just recently released our new version of the handbrake and every 
single part is built from basically stainless steel to withstand, you know, people's heavy force or torturing of these parts. All right. So um, before we wrap up here, uh, say someone's been listening to this interview and they're they're really excited, but they want to learn more. Are there any good online resources, be it uh, a forum or a Web page that they can go check out to to learn more about racing simulators and uh, the culture and community behind them? Yes, uh, there's a YouTuber um, who does a bunch of reviews on our rig. So um, any you know beginner who's who's recently introduced into into racing simulator, I would highly suggest them to go on Google and and type in how to build a racing simulator or racing simulator comparison or even YouTube to find product reviews and the do's and don'ts of building a, a simulator. Well, with that, Howard, um, it's been a pretty fascinating talk already, but are there any other final bits of wisdom or knowledge that you'd like to impart on folks uh, before we wrap up here? I believe, I truly believe that um, if anyone is interested in in racing or driving a a, a real racetrack, uh, my suggestion to those guys would be to, one, get a racing simulator if they can't take their car to their real racetrack. And I think another way to introduce them to racing will be to actually go out and grab a go-kart and hit the go-kart track. That way, the, the person can actually get a feel of what driving a real, real race car feels like on a track. And it won't break their bank as well. Yeah, actually, one of our earlier episodes of the On All Cylinders podcast, we actually spoke with uh, Kevin Williams. He's the president of the World Karting Association. And it was a really good talk about, uh, you know, how it's kind of a feeder system for for professional racers. Are go-karts how you got started in racing? Uh, That's not how I started, but that's how I, um, I start my kit with. Um, I, I have two kids. One is almost turning two and the other one is five. My, my older ones, I start, well, I, I put her in a race car when she's three uh, on a go-kart and she really enjoyed it. <laughs> I couldn't imagine a five-year-old not enjoying ripping around a track in a go-kart. Um, but I just thought of one real quick question before we say goodbye here, Howard. Aside from your website, which is gtrsimulator.com, where can folks find you? Are you out and about in the motorsports community at uh, events and races and stuff like that? We do go to a lot of like IMSA races. NASCAR races, and we bring um, simulator for people to to test on using our rig. All right. So if you're heading out to a race or an event, uh, keep an eye out. GTR Simulator. Howard, I think we're all done here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about uh, GTR Simulator and, and racing simulators in general. It's a, a really interesting topic. And certainly for a neophyte like me, I learned a heck of a lot. It was a pleasure, sir. And you take care. Nice talking with you. Bye, guys. This has been the On All Cylinders podcast. Powered by Summit Racing. Check out new episodes coming soon at onallcylinders.com. Onallcylinders.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.